When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash goodfootball and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash goodfootball. G-O-O-D-F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Thanks for your help. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotor World Football Podcast, the most important podcast in the universe. My name is Josh Norris. Thank you so much for tuning in on this lovely, beautiful Friday. I know every single place in the world is lovely and beautiful on this very Friday. We have made it to week 15, ladies and gentlemen. Week 15 is here. Thank you for supporting us for the other 14 weeks, plus the preseason, plus all offseason, plus draft season. We hope you do it again. Um, this Sunday is our last Roto World Live. Uh, thank you again for tuning into that. It's been great this year. It's been better than it was last year. It'll be better even next year. Uh, Sunday, noon Eastern on Roto World's YouTube page. So be sure to go and check that out. We are helping you uh, set your optimal lineups, previewing games, previewing matchups, all that good stuff. It's a kickoff show you actually enjoy. That's noon Eastern Roto World Live on Roto World's YouTube page. Also, we need to say this. If you enjoy this podcast at any moment, for even a millisecond, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and share with a friend if you want to as well. Later on, we've got Roto Pat, but first up, my friends, we have Evan Silva. Evan writes the matchups column up on Roto World. Um, Evan, this is how we set up this segment each week. Uh, we do extensive planning for each segment, you know? Um, mm-hmm. We talk for about five minutes before we hit that live red button, okay? And I ask you about 10, 10 names. You give me about 10 names as well, and we, we try to narrow it down. This week, it was pretty simple right off the bat. You said every frickin', you def, use a different F word. This is a family show. Uh, every frickin' ram. Why are you in on all the rams this week after a down performance in a tough spot against the Bears away last week? Yeah, it's a classic, classic uh, bounce-back spot for the Rams. I mean, if you've ever studied, you know, like sports betting history and, you know, the beginning of the idea of having these trends, and now the trends have expanded into, you know, oh, you know, this coach is, you know, 14-2 coming off a a loss following his bye and all that. Um, But, you know, the original trend was that teams coming off big road losses, returning home, you know, usually performed above expectation. After performing performing below expectation, 
they would perform above expectation. And that's just, you know, a very simple concept. It's called regression, you know, and it's, it's regression to the mean. And, uh, but when you, you, when you, it gets emphasized when the teams are playing in prime time and the Rams, since they had, so they had a week 12 bye, okay. Then they went to Detroit, didn't play real well. They did win by two scores because the Lions are terrible, mm-hmm. but um, they did not play well in that spot. And then they went on to the road, on the road to Chicago in like the ultimate spot where they were just so likely to struggle. And we talked about it. You know, we talked about uh, with Jared Goff, like how he had just played so many few games in his career in suboptimal weather. He's, he was born in Cali. He played at Cal Berkeley. He now was a Los Angeles Ram, you know, and he goes to Chicago at Soldier Field, you know, in 25 degree temperatures. No one should be surprised that he struggles. He has small hands, too, by the way, with Jonathan, which Jonathan Bales uh, a couple years ago did a study on our website. Put it on our website. You can go find it. Just uh, Google uh, Bales or Roto World hand size. <laughs> that might give you some some odd uh, uh, Google searches, Evan, but I'm sure you'll find the, the link in there as well. That's true. But it also it also uh, <laughs> helps predict how great Russell Wilson would be. Right. You know. Et cetera, et cetera. So I, I love going back and reading the, that kind of, you know, old article on Roto World because uh, so, so prescient and, and still valuable to this day. But anyways, um, so the Rams, you know, were just in these two spots where they did not, they performed well below expectation. And people are right now are kind of down on the Rams. They are going to go back to L.A. and smash this Eagles team that is sitting its quarterback uh, number one and number two, all of a sudden can't stop the run over their last five games and have never been able to stop the pass because their entire secondary was sent to injured reserve. So I think that Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, obviously Todd Gurley, all those guys you start with confidence. I think that Josh Reynolds is an underrated play hmm. this week, uh, and Gerald Everett for the first time all season, Josh. And I know that you're a huge Gerald Everett proponent. As you should be, um, for the first time all season, out snapped Tyler Higby, drew seven targets. Interesting. Game against Chicago. He's on the map as a streamer this week. Evan, can we zero in on why this Rams offense struggled? I know a lot of people have done that because it's an island game that they had, it's a spotlight game that they had. But for like his first year, it was a. a unideal situation for Jared Goff, right? It was about the worst situation you could be in. Second year up until last week, it's basically been a perfect scenario because, and we look at this when teams hit the playoff stretch, right? How healthy their team has been on either side of the ball. And for the Rams, their health offensively for the last season and a half has been amazing. Then Cooper Cup goes down, and that's really the first big injury the team had to deal with. And then in that game against Chicago, they had in-game injuries along that offensive line. I know that Jermon Brown missed some time earlier this year, but Austin Blythe turned out to be even better, and that's why they cut Jermon Brown, right? But the point here is we, we're we not predicting a, a um, unideal situation here for, for Jared Goff or even moving forward. So it's an easy situation for us to say, yes, he scores points, post monstrous fancy numbers in those scenarios. My only question is, Evan, is he going to get those ideal scenarios throughout the playoffs? 
and when we get there. But again, that doesn't matter this week. No, and this is going to be, you know, maybe the mark of him as he's remembered as a quarterback or, you know, yep. the, the mark in his quarterback development because quarterbacks that need everything to be perfect. And, yo, Andy Dalton has had incredible seasons. There were times when Andy Dalton was discussed as an MVP candidate. I'm not even kidding you, Josh. Mm -hmm. This actually happened when he had Tyler Eifert healthy and he had Andrew Whitworth on his blind side and he had A.J. Green healthy, you know, and he had Marvin Jones and he had Muhammad Sanu. You know, he had everything going right for him. And then, you know, things started to crumble. He commanded a bigger contract. Guys started getting older and injured and, you know, Jared Goff at some point is going to command a bigger contract. And Andrew Whitworth isn't going to be around forever. And John Sullivan, hey, he left last, last week's game, and they were incompetent offensively. You know, so we're going to find a lot about a lot out about jo, uh, Jared Goff uh, as, you know, the pieces are not ideally put together yep. for him. But and in this game, they're going to be ideal – are close to ideally put together. Right. And and I don't want to say that, like, I'm, I'm crushing Jared off here, which I'm absolutely not. Like, in those yeah. ideal situations, he has shown great accuracy, and dating back to his time at Cal, which he perfected that system, he was a tremendous bucket thrower, right? Like, down the field, these little over-the-shoulder grabs that he's showed off during his last two years at the Rams, that's perfect. But what I do point to is when you look at the next-gen stats and you look at the time to throw... The top 10, almost all of them are mobile quarterbacks outside of Jared Goff. And we know that mobile quarterbacks hold the ball longer because they, they move out of the pocket, they find space, and that's when they throw. Meanwhile, Jared Goff is up there because of how good that situation is along the offensive line. So it's, it's, it is an interesting one to move forward. But again, it's still nearly a perfect um, scenario for him. It's just interesting to see what happens when it doesn't. Um, okay, Evan. Yep. Let's move on to Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson... Has been a popular player for with us at times. Not at all this year, pretty much outside of that one Josh McCown game. Was it Josh McCown that it was somewhat tough to predict, or was it a Tim Darnold game? Anyways, um, what we're trying to say here, Evan, is that maybe, just maybe, Robbie Anderson is showing enough for us to depend on him either in DFS or even as a a deep flex play in fantasy leagues in Week 15. Yeah, he's had two good games this year. Um, the first one was against Bradley Roby in Week. Five, yeah. When the Jets were rolling, I mean, they were top ten in the NFL in scoring at that time, and then like all their receivers suffered high ankle sprains, and wide receivers straight up can't play on high ankle sprains. And you know, we just saw Quincy Anunua, the Jets' number two receiver, he aggravated his high ankle sprain. We're probably not going to see him again for the rest of the season. He's been ruled out for week fifteen. That clears up a few targets. But what I what really stands out to me uh, about Robbie Anderson is uh, his opportunity combined with his matchup. And let's start with his opportunity because he's got 14 targets and almost 200 air yards over the last two over the last two weeks, by far most on the Jets. Okay, let's talk about his matchup. So that's a lot of opportunity for a deep threat. If you're getting like really theoretically, what Robbie Anderson is a guy who's going to get like like four to six targets per game. And they're pretty much all going to be deep shots. Yeah. But when we're, when we're taking it to seven per game, that's that's strong. That's a, a very strong target projection for Robbie Anderson. And again, we're pulling out Anunua, so that may put him at seven point five or eight in terms of his target projection. Love that. Um, but his matchup is just so so hot. 
And, you know, we talked about T.Y. Hilton last week. T.Y. Hilton went for 199 yards against the Texans. The Texans' outside cornerback, Sharice Wright, and um, Sharice Wright and Jonathan Joseph, 34 and 31 years old. Neither guy can run anymore. What does Robbie Anderson do well? Run he fast. Runs. He ran four threes <laughs> coming out of Temple. Yes. And, I mean, I, I loved uh, some of the, impro- the uh, improvisational plays that he made, like just being on the same page with Sam Darnold last week. That, to me, was very, very promising. Um, I just, oh, man, he's – I think he's an awesome, awesome play this week. I think one of the more under-discussed moments in the last 10 or so weeks, Evan, was the Eagles wanting to trade for Robbie Anderson before trading for Golden Tate. I'm not making that up, correct? Like, that was reported out there. Uh, That doesn't surprise me because, you know, Robbie Anderson would have been much more valuable to them than than Golden Tate. Right. Much Um, more valuable. Meanwhile, though, I do want to mention Golden Tate quickly, Evan. I know this isn't a name that we brought up, but... Uh, with Nick Foles at the helm and how many targets Nelson Aguilar got in the slot. He didn't do much with them, but got in the slot out of those first two or three or four games or whatever it was. Golden Tate has some upside in that area and will be fed more targets most likely, right? Well, um, there's a big concern on Golden Tate, and it's that I think the coaching staff was just like, scrap it, this isn't working. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so we're going back to Dallas Goddard because Dallas Goddard was (laughs) a much bigger part of their offense yeah. last week then was um, then was Golden Tate and their trade for Golden Tate made the team worse. I mean it, it legit made the team worse. It forced the coaching staff to feel compelled to play Golden Tate. Um, the coaching staff was never gonna it was never gonna pull Nelson Aguilar off the field because and I, it's easier to see in hindsight now because the coaching staff felt a real connection with Nelson Aguilar after nursing him through his, you know, off the field, you know, his problem, he went to like a sports psychologist. Yeah. You know, he was dropping so many balls and the, the, the coaching staff felt like he was a real win for them and they were never going to rip him off the field, which is what they needed to do to make Golden Tate a full-time player because, you know, Alshon's not coming off and, um, you know, Ertz certainly isn't coming off. You know, and Golden Tate is not like an outside field stretcher. So it, yeah, absolutely. It made so much more sense for them to try, try to acquire Robbie Anderson. But I would guess that the Jets were like, we need at least, they might have even asked for a one. Like, I'm not Interesting. even, I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. Like at very least a two. And by the way, if you were out of your fancy leagues already this year, if you lost in the first round, you didn't make your semifinals. Head over to draft.com. The best way to do that is draft.com slash rotoworld. Enter promo code ROTO in the app if you download on Google Play or uh, the App Store on iTunes and iOS um, because you get a free $3 entry when you insert your first deposit. There's like You can turn that $3 into $16 pretty easily. You just draft a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers slash tight ends. Again, that's draft.com slash rotoworld. Evan, let's close it out here with another tight end. Is it Andy Ferkser? Anthony Ferkser? I, again, uh, this is another player that I did not know he existed prior to this season. Someone hasn't been playing enough preseason DFS because Anthony M.F. and Ferkser, that's his middle name, <laughs> I don't know. His his uh his, his initials his his LL Bean book bag has A M F 
F on there, right? His mom was uh, an outside-the-box thinker. Got it. And, you Love know, it. this is how you end up at Harvard, bro. This is how you end up at Harvard, bro. <laughs> Anthony Ferkser led all tight ends in preseason catches. If you weren't playing Anthony Ferkser in preseason DFS, you were donating to FanDuel, Okay. But Anthony Ferkser, I, I mean, obviously I fell in love with him in preseason DFS. I think I only played a one week anyways. And I was just like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? You know? So I started to look into him. And, he, you know, he was first team uh, all Ivy League, of course. And, you know, Ross Tucker knows who he is. You know, I text Ross. I'm like, who's this Ferkser guy? He's like, oh, he played with Juszczyk uh, and uh, Bronica and Bright. Can you imagine those two tight end sets with those guys? Which I mean, he's right. He's have right, you have now. you ever done your Ross impersonation to Ross? Uh, no. I don't know. Okay, I it's great. I mean, I, I thought right. I might have just accidentally called Ross Tucker right now on this podcast. <laughs> no, but look, you know, he's in the same boat that Matt Lacoste was a couple of weeks ago, and Matt Lacoste brick brick housed. You know, so he's certainly far from a sure thing, but he's been productive. He's been targeted sixteen times this season. He's got all sixteen. For 202 yards and a touchdown. This week he's facing the Giants, who, you know, I like I, I track all these statistics. But uh, when quarterbacks target tight ends against the Giants over their last 10 games, completing 79% of their passes for over nine yards per attempt. Hmm. Um, and w- one thing that uh, Warren Sharp has been talking to me about uh, this year is that teams just need to t- target their tight ends more, and it's. I think it's absolutely true um, when you start to just look at the straight efficiency metrics like like this one. I mean, you know, because they get such favorable matchups against linebackers and, you know, strong safeties and guys who were not, you know, necessarily put on this planet to cover. They were put on this planet to shoot gaps and, you know, I don't know, make plays on the ball, et cetera. But uh, Anthony Ferkser has a great matchup. His opportunity is way up because Johnu Smith is out for the year. And uh, I think he can play a little bit in the preseason. And the guy who he reminded me of the most was Chris Cooley. Interesting. Thanks so much, buddy. Go check out Evan's matchups column up on Roto World. Again, if you enjoyed his segment, hit that subscribe button. And coming up right after this, we have Roto Pat. So stick with us. We're back here with Patrick Doherty. Pat, before we get to anything else, before we get to your rankings, I have to ask you, what kind of a sleeper are you, Pat? Always been a bit restless. Um, I usually wake up two to three times a night. Um, people have always found that shocking and odd. Um, but by, by wake up, do you mean get out of bed? Do you just mean like wide-eyed? Do you mean I usually get out of bed about twice a night? I've always I've always had a weak bladder, what? Josh. If, if you want to know oh. too much information, well, um, you did just go to the bathroom right before this podcast. I did. We talked for five minutes before we started. Um, <laughs> well, Pat, I don't know if any if purple mattress can do anything about your bladder but it can do something about how comfortable your mattress is. The purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced before because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual, an actual rocket scientist, Pat. It's not like memory foam that you're used to. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft. Both of those things are great. Don't you think, Pat? Firm and soft. And it's at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while also still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. 
100 night risk-free trial here with purple mattress and if you're not fully satisfied you can return your mattress for a full refund it's backed by a 10-year warranty as well free shipping and free returns this is what you need to know my friends as we approach the holiday season spend some money on yourself you're going to love purple mattresses and right now my friends you get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress exclamation point that's an addition to the great free gifts they offer on the website as well. The way to do this, text R-O-T-O to 474747. Again, the only way for a free purple pillow is to text ROTO to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. All right, Patrick. I'm going to have a shocking ad-lib addition to your ad read. My brother-in-law has a purple mattress and is uh, quite a satisfied customer. So, Pat, let's take a look at your rankings. I get to pick on them every Thursday. Uh, It's the only day that I'm a negative person in life. Pat, you have Lamar Jackson as quarterback 18. Uh, This is a pivotal decision week for fantasy players in their semifinals. We've heard a lot that Lamar Jackson is a viable, worthy starter because of his rushing totals. He has yet to hit a ceiling, and maybe that's why you have him so low. But Pat, he hasn't been the quarterback 18 in any week. In fact, he's kind of hovered around that quarterback 11 quarterback 12 range so why especially against the Buccaneers defense are you so down on Lamar Jackson this week yeah I mean the Bucs are an amazing matchup but I mean Lamar Jackson has not been hurting for amazing matchups Uh, he's faced four of the worst defenses in the entire NFL the Bengals the Raiders the Falcons and Chiefs and as you alluded to he's finishes the QB 14 the QB 10 the QB 14 and the QB 13 so matchups haven't been the problem and uh, he just has not been cashing them in. And now, you know, just kind of really been struggling as a passer. He's flashed a little bit of that upside as a runner. But even with, like, another – the Bucks, you know, could argue maybe the best matchup of that entire group, especially since they're going to be on the road. But now with Joe Flacco back, I just I, – I think there's enough of a risk of, like, an end game benching. I mean, these games mean everything for the Ravens where – I don't think that'll happen, but I think there's a, it's enough of a possibility where you kind of have to hedge Lamar Jackson's ranking, and you cannot go on in him just because just the production has not been, I feel like, what it needs to be to like guarantee him that job. And, yeah, with the Ravens having everything to play for, uh, and having like a 10-year veteran they could turn to you know, in, in any moment, I just think you kind of got to hedge Lamar Jackson this week. Even though you know, at some point he's going to have a ceiling game, but he – yeah, he's four for four of not having a ceiling game. And I just feel like you cannot go all in on Lamar Jackson uh, with everything on the line and redraft fantasy this weekend. Is it because his passing numbers haven't been there consistently? And I know he's also not like to hit that ceiling game. He needs that those rushing yards plus a rushing score and passing yards plus a passing score. Right. He's kind of getting one of the other so far, it seems like. Yeah, I'd say the passing numbers really haven't been there at all. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, he's like kind of flirting with them. It just, it just hasn't really been an element of his game yet. And I think he can be a successful NFL passer. It's not like uh, there's no chance he develops into a successful NFL passer. But, yeah, he has not been successful enough really to – because yeah, the dual threat, it's always about the floor ceiling uh, where, you know, the dual threats, hopefully they get you – they can have a nice floor with the passing. And then it's the, the rushing that gives you the through-the-roof ceiling. If you just have the rushing without the, kind of like the passing buttressing the floor – uh, you can be chasing upside that only really turns into floor. So yeah, he just until we see him put it all together uh, at this point, I feel like you got to hedge. Next up is Dalvin Cook. You have him as running back ten. Uh, this is against the Miami Dolphins, which is 
an easy matchup. And Pat, to me, that's why you have him ranked so highly. Because it's not like we just talked about fours and ceilings. It's not like we've seen a ceiling at all from Dalvin Cook this year. He has failed to reach even 90 yards rushing this season. He has just two touchdowns to his name, and both of those are receiving touchdowns. So why are you so confident in Dalvin Cook this week? Yeah, he hasn't hit his ceiling, but he has kind of established a floor finally in the past three weeks. Uh, I believe it's in our friend uh, Richard Rebar's The Worksheet. His uh, point out he's finished as the RB17, RB10, and RB7 the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's kind of at least uh, getting his floor in order. And the Dolphins are a good spot for ceiling. Uh, they did kind of shut down Sonny Michelle and LaShawn McCoy the past two weeks. But to me, this is a bottom five run defense. And you have the Vikings at home as seven-point favorites. And you, know, you may or may not have heard they just fired their offensive coordinator because Mike Zimmer uh, has made it very clear he wants to run the ball more. So just kind of like a good matchup at home versus a really bad run defense versus you know what is clearly uh, Mike Zimmer, you know, just no secret about what he wants to do. I think it's finally things are kind of coming together finally for Dalvin Cook to have a long, long overdue ceiling week. And I'd be lying if I said I felt totally comfortable having him where I do, but I just think kind of the situation demands it this week. It's an interesting team, the Vikings, because they can look so good when they're facing a team that like can't really disrupt and get pressure because when the offense, when the offensive line crumbles, then Kirk Cousins crumbles and really they haven't created that much space for Dalvin Cook at all, at least from the eye, maybe the stats point in a different direction. Yeah, Pat, I mean, maybe he is the type with Miami and Detroit that if you got to the playoffs with Dalvin Cook as an early round pick for you, that he finally pays off and wins you that championship because those are pretty two cake matchups he's got coming up. You know, we, we, you know, Damon Harrison has, has improved. That yeah, but like, I mean, it was improved from being like the last, the worst, you know? Yeah. So it's not like it's a... And now they'll be shuffling things on the defensive right. line. They just lost to Ziggy Ansah. So. Uh, let's keep it going with Derrick Henry. Pat, this is a difficult one. You have Derrick Henry as running back 24. Um to get in the minds of all the fantasy players out there, Pat, is it going to be easy to miss another Derrick Henry game after no one started him against the Jacksonville Jaguars and he put up 40 plus points on your bench? What do you mean? You mean like, uh, will you be able to live with yourself if you said last week was a fluke and just kept him benched, but then it wasn't a fluke? Is that kind Correct. Of because like, that's the whole fantasy conundrum for a lot of people out there. You know, it's, okay, my flex position varies week to week. I didn't take advantage of it when Derrick Henry had a big game, so maybe I need to um, keep it going because it's not like – because he faced the Giants this week, right? The Giants suck on run defense. So this makes more sense to be a good game for Derrick Henry than even last week's did. Yeah, it'd be pretty heartbreaking to leave another 17, uh, 238, four on the old bench there, wouldn't it? Yeah. But uh, it's just like – so, you know, that's part of it. So, like – I can't remember where I had Derrick Henry last week. I'm assuming it was in the mid-30s. So this is kind of already like a drastic jump. And maybe just based mostly on the fact that, yeah, if you have that kind of game, maybe you'll get some benefit of it out from your coaching staff. Uh, for the year, his, his yards per carry is almost up to five. He had been – a lot of individual games, he's been fairly consistent churning out yards, uh, not having like super long runs until last week, but kind of like uh, – he was having like high YPCs without having like 60-yard runs, kind of like propping them up, just kind of like – consistently gaining uh, nice little chunks of yardage, but just wasn't getting the work. Uh, he, he had been kind of quietly outplaying Deion Lewis over the past month. And this, yeah, with that, he so he'd, he'd kind of been building towards last week. You know, obviously that game 
is a fluke, but he, he's kind of been building towards this. Like you said, the Giants' soft matchup. They've the 13th most running back fantasy points. Uh, Titans are kind of in a little bit of a groove. You know, the Titans are very inconsistent, but uh, the, the Giants, you know, the Giants have looked okay, but they don't have a ton to play for. They do have a, a really long shot playoff bid that they're not going to hit. But just think, yeah, maybe we're seeing some, some late blooming with Derrick Henry, but still this very high odds, obviously, that he will – not he's not going to replicate last week, but not even like come to like twenty five percent last week. So, to me, I feel like the RB two three borderline is kind of the appropriate place to kind of uh, I use the word hedge again, but to, to hedge Derrick Henry's ranking. It, it is the Derrick Henry coaster, though, right? Like people draft him in the sixth, seventh, eighth round of their fantasy drafts. Don't use him all year long because you never know when to play him. Because um, Deion Lewis looks better in certain weeks, and then he springs out this surprise game when you don't play him. You know, and again, that's why you, Patton, I never draft Derrick Henry. It's kind of words to live by. I guess. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I don't think, except for Mike Clay one time in our Dynasty League, stole him out from underneath me in our rookie draft. That was also I, like uh, three years ago. Man, yeah, but uh, Mike isn't listening. But if he was listening, I would tell him I'm never going to forgive him, <laughs> even though it's been fine. Uh Look, I, I bet, Pat, that if you really wanted to trade with Mike Clay to get Derrick Henry, you probably could. <laughs> yeah, Mike is, Mike's been making me some trade offers this week, Oh, actually. I mean, uh, that, that league. That league's <laughs> amazing. Okay. Let's close it out here, Pat. We digress. With uh, Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis is someone I'm actually starting in some leagues as a wide receiver three, even in one after to start him as a wide receiver two. Um, in previous weeks, we looked at this as saying, okay, Pierre Garçon is hurt, Marquise Goodwin has been out and not acclimated to the offense. So that leads us to Dante Pettis. Now, Pat, is it safe to say, and again, you have him as wide receiver 30, is it safe to say that he can just be an easy start because it doesn't matter what situation he is with the other wide receivers, that he is their go-to number one target right now, other than George Kittle, obviously? I think we are close to that. He's drawn seven targets, three straight games. He had six the game before that, and... It wasn't on the podcast, but I think maybe on like our Sunday show or like our, our my the live chat last Friday, I talked about like this is someone that Kyle Shanahan like traded Correct. up for. So like someone Kyle Shanahan personally targeted, and uh, so clearly someone he has a great deal of belief in. And you know he was banged up a lot earlier in the year. They kind of had this weird rotation where things weren't really working out for him, but now he's been coming on. They're taking off the training wheels. I think they're going to be really really interested and kind of seeing what he can do down the stretch and giving him, like, basically as many routes, as many snaps as he wants. And, you know, he's been rewarding them so far. And four touchdowns over the past three weeks. He had his best game two weeks ago against the same Seahawks team. He'll be playing this Sunday. A defense which, you know, had been really kind of beleaguered before unmasking uh, Kirk Cousins last week. So uh, not a bad matchup for Dante Pettis. And, yeah, I just think the 49ers, this is a player they have believed in since the spring – uh, he's starting to reward that belief, and yeah, I think he's yeah, he's going to be heavily featured in these final three games, and I, I think he's a, a very legitimate wide receiver three. Pat, you mentioned our Sunday show. Sunday's our last Sunday show of the year. That is Roto World Live on Roto World's YouTube page. Noon Eastern, I'll be there. Pat will be there. Rich will be there. Ray will be there, and Evan will be there. So we hope you all tune in. Again, that's Noon Eastern on Roto World's YouTube page. If you enjoyed this podcast at any moment, hit that subscribe button. Pat, thanks so much. Uh, And to everyone out there, I'll talk to you all soon. See ya.